Welcome to Let God Die, the weekly podcast sharing stories of God transforming lives through changing perceptions of who He is and what it means to follow Him. We believe that commonly those who reject God haven't experienced the truth of who He is, and that those who follow God often have false expectations or understandings. Together, we can take those perceptions of God and let them die, so God can live. All right, I'm here with Chris Bernstorff, one of my best buds, and uh, he's actually living in my house in Michigan, one of the many renters in the little tiny home. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of crazy because we we tried to get Chris to, to move to Michigan for a long time, and then he finally did, what, like three days before I moved to Pennsylvania. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to do a couple like life update episodes since it's been so long and I was going to do this one by myself but uh I was thinking man I think a lot of what I wanted to talk about uh Chris's life has kind of had some similarities to it um in the past several months so uh yeah I wanted to invite him along for this one and uh, Chris, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I don't think we've ever started out this way, but I was going to kind of do it more as like, I guess, more more like Bible study-ish, but relating Sick. it to things. One thing over like the last, I want to say maybe 10 months now, um, once a month, my wife and I have had like a, a monthly discussion group at our house. So Let God Die has not been completely on hiatus Um We've just not recorded podcast episodes. A friend, a friend of mine, we uh, we do this um, discussion group where it's typically I don't know eight to fifteen people come, and uh, we just get around like different different ways that we get following Jesus wrong or uh, our approach to the character of God wrong. Um, and sometimes share some of our own stories. Um, sometimes share videos uh, of other people's stories. Um, but uh, really, we want it to be more about like mutual um, conversation than talking at each other. So uh, typically, we'll prepare something and talk a little bit, but ultimately, we want to just like facilitate discussion. Want like it to be a place for everyone to have you know a safe place to speak, um, where it's not just a couple people dominating conversation. That's really our our hope with it. But uh, the uh, the typical thing has been um, I'll have like an idea of what I want to talk about, and then. A lot of the time, like the day of the conversation of the discussion group, uh, God will tend to like shift the focus and be like, well, you thought you were going to talk about this thing, but uh, uh, I want you to think about it a little bit differently. So there, there's a the passage in the Bible um, where Jesus is saying, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we were getting around the idea of, like, you can't truly, like, meet a need for somebody if you don't know that person. I, I could maybe help someone out in a way that I thought they needed help, but it might not be the way that they needed help at all if I don't truly know them in an intimate way. Um, I think the most obvious thing is disaster relief. I found a lot of videos of people talking about disaster relief where they're saying that um, typically like when a hurricane comes, people are like, oh, we need to send uh, clean water or we need to send, you know, clothes. Uh, But these people were saying that oftentimes 
they end up being completely inundated with donations of water to the point that they can't really distribute it and it takes so much more work to distribute what was donated that uh, it ends up being more of a problem than um, than you know like it would have been had people just donated money um, so like their whole thing was if a disaster happens and you want to come be present that's crazy beneficial um, and if you want to like organize with a local you know charity and say like hey what are the needs and then meet those needs that's really beneficial but for people that are just like oh i think i know what i should do i'll do that um typically it ends up introducing more problems than it should so that was kind of like the direction we were going to go was uh similarly like i think a lot of the time it's easy to get in this mode of like all right a b and c uh make sense for me to do for god um, but like typically, you know, like in all reality, if I don't know the heart of God, then all of my efforts in vain, because I might be doing something that he hasn't called me to in the first place. So that was kind of like reflecting an attitude of like, I need to know God to know what I need to do, which I think is a real thing. But in between that being the plan and actually having the discussion night, the verse where Jesus says, uh, you know, I'll declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, uh, really jumped out at me. Uh, cause I, w- I was in this mindset of like, you know, me as a person, I didn't know God, but he says, I never knew you. Um, and it kind of like jumped out at me in a way of like, all right, not only do I need to know the heart of God, but am I living in a way that allows my heart to be known by the character of God? And, uh, am I living in a way that like allows myself to be known by others? Recently, I read uh, a letter in Chris's book that he wrote um, in response to some crazy happenings uh, late last year. And um, yeah, I guess it just seemed to relate to me so much as far as like, uh, I'll let Chris tell the story if you if you're cool with that. Um, But as far as like allowing yourself to be in a in, I guess, kind of a vulnerable place where you need to be known, your needs needed to be known so that the community around you could meet them. I mean, I've experienced myself being in a place of wanting to know other people's story, uh, wanting to know what other people's needs are, and kind of like, I think most of my life I've come from a place of, I want to help, you know, and I want to be giving, you know. Um, But when I'm on the other side of the equation and I need help or when I need to receive, that's when... I think like of this verse as far as like, not only do we need to know the heart of God, we need to be known by God so that he can transform us. Not only do we need to know others, but we need to be known by community so that we can not only give, but also receive blessing and receive, uh, you know, what, what God has in store for us. (laughs) Oh, praise Jesus. All right. I've never, um, yeah, I've never thought of that verse in that context. Me neither. Because <laughs> uh, I've always thought about it with like, um, you know, like predestination or like uh, like uh, the elect and like those sorts of things where like God's like, yeah, like I've called you probably before I knew you and like all those sort of things. Um, but yeah, I think that's so cool. Praise Jesus. I'm like geeking out in my heart because that touches on like everything uh, that I feel like I've been learning and been really excited about um yeah so like real brief um 
I'm a touring spoken word poet, which means I have the economic productivity of a rock. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm very, very poor and I do an art form that is not known to make money. And I do an art form in places that are even less known to make money. And, uh, and just to be clear, of, you meant like a rock, not the rock. Cause I mean, like if yes. we're saying the rock, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, a rock. Like if you go outside and pick up a rock, I have the same gross national GDP as any pebble you might find. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, and I do a lot of house shows and I do DIY stuff and I play punk rock shows. So, uh, there's not a lot of money in that. Um, and like a really long time ago, um, and I just had this realization that I would never, ever create anything of tangible value. Um, and, and a lot of people always are like, hey, no way, man, your art's really important and valuable. And it's like, oh, I know, I know, like God's in it and it's really cool. But like I'm I'm from Northern Virginia. Um, it's like a pretty wealthy suburb uh, called Ashburn. Uh, most people work in D.C. And I was raised by two parents who just work their asses off like like so hard my dad was in a coma when he was three from an allergic reaction to penicillin and he had to relearn how to walk and talk and everything so like he spent most of his life behind and he finally like caught up and pulled himself up by his bootstraps and i was just raised in like a culture of hard work and then when god asked me to be a poet and I realized that like art is a purely spiritual experience, no matter what people believe, um, because it, it serves no like biological or evolutionary purpose. You know, like there's no everyone could stop making art and the human race would continue to live. Um, so I realized like, oh, my gosh, I, nothing I do like I can't make a poem and put a roof over somebody's head or like feed them or heal a wound with it. And it was really hard because I realized essentially the Lord had called me to a place of like. I will never be able to provide for myself, like no matter what it looks like. like and I think that's true for all people in all circumstances. Uh, Brian Head Welch wrote that he had to learn that God paid his paychecks once he got saved. So I think we're all in a position of literally just being provided for by God because none of us can keep ourselves alive. Uh, one of the kids I went to high school with and played basketball with um, went to college on a track scholarship and then he just dropped dead at 19 mm -hmm. for like no discernible reason. It was just his heart stopped and it was his time. Um, so I think we all receive from God and can't provide for ourselves, but I especially couldn't. And that's like a really hard thing. It's hard to ask people for money. It's hard to be in that position of essentially just being helpless. And, uh, I thought that I got it. And then in December last year, uh, on the 23rd, I was driving for Uber Eats. I had just gotten home from a tour and I needed to make some money and, uh, I got carjacked and, I live with four other people when I'm home in Michigan. And so I keep most of my stuff in the car just to like keep it out of the house because we live in a smaller house and uh, we live in Josh's house, <laughs> but yeah, we live yeah, in, it's a, a, it's a little guy. In a smaller house. Yeah, it's great. But we just like everyone here is a musician. We just have a lot of stuff. So most of them, like probably like 70 to 80% of my worldly possessions were in the van with me. Um, and I like got carjacked. He took my phone and my wallet and my laptop and all my credit cards, like for every, every form of ID, like every way I had to prove who I was. So like, even if I wanted another job, I couldn't go get one. Um, I didn't have access to any of my money and I well, and I also barely had any money, <laughs> but yeah, I was the most helpless I'd ever been. And uh, the letter Josh was talking about, I had started writing it in my head that day about receiving. And then 
that happened and then I was in a place where I absolutely had to receive because I like couldn't survive on my own and real um, quick uh and it, when uh, like the letter that you started writing earlier that day about receiving like what was the context of uh of that letter and receiving um it I had just been thinking a lot about the gospel and um something I've kind of been going through is realizing and I don't know if it's the church's fault or human nature or Satan twisting the truth or my flesh or what, but I think a lot of teaching that, that I've grown up with uh, in the last maybe like five to seven years as a Christian, um, it was super informative and then it really grew my faith, but then it like pushed me too far to one side. And I feel like the Lord has been like undoing it. Um, Josh and I's friend, Dan, uh, plays in a band called Furnace Creek and he once said to me that and on a lot of polarizing issues in the church, maybe it's not so much that one side or the other is right, you know, like charismatic or not charismatic or those sorts of things, but rather that they pull against each other and that that God is in the tension, like dancing on the tightrope, that that those two sides pulling against each other pull up. And I, I for the last year, so I, I was a full-time poet, my only job um, from June of 2016 until December of 2017. And for the whole year of 2017, uh, I had literally lived for free. Um, I was living with my friends in a band called Amessa. And then uh, my now fiance, like we, we, she's in the band and, and we realized we had feelings for each other. So I was like, oh man, like I should move out. And they thought so too. So I left and then I was homeless, but my friends Zayden and Alex took me in um, for the, like, the little bit that I was home between tours. Um, and then I left for tour again and I like, didn't know where I like, I, I thought I was coming to this house. Um, and then in July, the guys took me in here and just for a whole year, I lived rent free, um, whenever I was home and I was able to be home to work on uh, a, a short film that we did and, uh, rest and work on other tours. And it was just ridiculous. Like for a whole year, I lived for free and not just free. Like I lived for free with people sharing their food with me, like not wanting anything from me. And it wasn't a burden to them. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, like you get the hell out of our house. Like we'll help you, but get out. And uh, like if I, Amanda and I hadn't fallen in love, we would, I'd probably still be living with Amessa. Um, if Zayden and Alex could have kept me longer, they probably would have. Their their landlord's not too cool about <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like I was just so moved at at the goodness of God and that like, I had been put in this position because God asked me to do this thing and I was trying to be obedient doing the thing and he provided for me. Um, there's this pastor, Mike Todd, and he says that like, if, if God has given you the call, then he'll provide for it. And it was just so cool to see that. And so cool to see how well God loved me that I was never without. I think there was maybe like one or two nights that I, I was completely between places and didn't have anything. And if I had really tried, I could have found myself a couch somewhere, but I just slept in my van and it was really nice. And I had showers and I, so I was just so moved that like the gospel is about receiving. Um, sorry. I, I hope I'm not too circumlocutious here. Yeah. Like it, I received and then I was able to give and do what I was given. And I think for a lot of times the, the church circles that I ran in, um, we were so focused on c combating apathy that like because the american church can be like very apathetic very about its own little four walls and and taking the call of jesus serious until it costs you something and then and then we we claim stewardship and then we and then we don't do anything um 
so I think the church was like really about combating apathy. And I think what happened though, is like, I got so about giving, so about serving, so about doing, 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 like I forgot that in the very beginning, um, so yeah, the pastor at first church preached a sermon and he said, God rested not because God was tired, but because he wanted to establish a rhythm for the, the universe, you know, like, like rest is a part of God's plan. And then, the entirety of the gospel and the entirety of scripture is God calling people, God providing for them. Um, I think when we try to take the call of Jesus seriously, it can be really easy to, to throw the call on our back. Um, I've been calling it like video game mentality. Uh, one of my friends came to our house a few months ago and they're freaking out because they like feel like they have this missions call, but like their faith was struggling and they just weren't there yet. And they're like, I can't go. I can't go like this, you know? And it was like, well, well, of course you can't, you know, because, because God didn't send you. That's why you're not there yet. Like that we have, like they had this feeling that like, Oh my gosh, God's called me to go to this country. So I need to just throw my back on it and do it, throw it on my back and just do it. And we act like God has like dropped us into a level and given us instructions and mm-hmm. asked us to complete the level, you know, and then he'll meet us on the other side. And I think that we forget that like moment to moment, God is providing for his people. Like he's always Emmanuel, our God is with us. And we can't do anything until we first receive Jesus. Like we have no love to offer if we don't know love. Like we have no grace if we don't know grace. Um, and yeah, it, like the outworking of that has been crazy in my life because it it cuts into like every facet of Christian thought. You know, like uh, American Christian political culture we want to like we want to legislate morality but we don't ever want to give people the reason to keep those rules like none of us we and we all know that we're saved by grace not by works and but like nobody we we want to stop people we want to make people look like christians but we don't want to give them through a reason to be a christian because none of us do christian things because they're good like we do them because we know god because we know jesus and the bible says that that it's God in us that wills us to do good. And I think realizing that has been so transformative uh, that like every struggle I face every time, like maybe my fiance's had a bad day and I need to love her well. Like it's not, the instruction is not love her well, Chris. The instruction is like, I love you well and you have received love for me and you have my Holy Spirit who enables you to do good things. And from that well that never runs dry, love her. And I think like it, it's such a subtle thing, but it's so easy for us to do things on our own power and for us to like be so externally focused that because we want to give and we don't want to be apathetic and we want to follow Jesus that we forget that we got to first be with the father and receive from him. And then he'll do the work through us. And when he does it, it's great. Like when we do it in our own power, it fails. That's a, a tough thing for me to wrestle in my mind, like, cause I mean, I think about like, yeah, it's it's more blessed to give than receive, you know, like, which is totally true. Uh, So often I feel like people fall in like either camp of being the recipient a whole lot or being the giver a whole lot. And like when, uh, I I don't know, when you like really settle into those places and like really rely on people in in an unhealthy way, like that can become a burden when you were saying God being in the tension for myself, like being someone who naturally wants to like be there for people and, and help people out. Um, 
I, I guess even there was a point in time like years back that I needed to receive help from people a lot. Um, and it broke down a lot of pride that I had up. Um, but then even after that fact, I was like, all right, I needed a lot of community and like needed a lot of uh, help from people in that season of life, but I'm past that. So now I can be on the giving side. Um, but I think that I feel like God has continually kind of broken that down in me where he's like, no, like you still need people in your life and you still need to, you know, not rely on them, rely on me, but I have provided you with, you know, people for you to be known by, um, so that you can, I don't know, like they can build you up, you know? I think back at, back in the day, I, my my thought process without realizing it was people that are not followers of Jesus can't really speak into my life. And that's like a really pathetic thing to admit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but I think that that was where my head was, where like now that I think I'm just kind of like more receptive to the fact that like, yeah, God's going to use whoever the heck he wants to. I'll even say this. He uses people that I know who have histories of like sexual sin that they've done jail time for. Uh, he's used people that I know who have, you know, like gotten in trouble with the law for shady things. And I, I think still having boundaries. <laughs> I'm not not suggesting no boundaries in life, but but yeah, just allowing ourselves to be molded by the father and allowing him to use yeah. whoever he chooses to use to uh to whether it's to speak life or to um i don't know really just get a hold of our hearts but yeah i mean i guess like going back to that tension thing um seeing that i guess this is the most clear way that i see it with like extroverts that like for me i get energy from being around people but i know i need that alone time um even though i don't really want it um, and then for a lot of introverted people, I think they need to be around people, even though they don't really want it, you know? And, uh, I mean, I guess I see like it maybe in similar ways, people that are just like, I guess you could say like heart vomiting, like everyone knows everything that's going on in their life because they just like air everything, you know, like those are people that need to be called not only to receive, but like also like you've received, man, like out of that, like out of seeing that love that's been given to you, like you can give, you know, other people are in that same spot. Um, but I think for myself and like others who naturally prefer to be on the giving side, um, God tends to toss some things in our way. That's like, well, you think that that's your role in the, in the body? Like, uh, that has been your role, but you need to receive, um, you need to like, uh, I don't know, actually experience community in a way that um, allows people to speak into your life. Um, and uh, that that was one thing that God taught me like crazy when I was going through my divorce. And just, I think, in moments now, too, where I want to like feel like I'm, I don't know, maybe past certain things or strong in certain ways. And I think God's like, no, like, you're surrounded by a lot of people that really care. And, uh, if you'd only allow yourself to be known by them, um, not that they necessarily have a particular thing to give, but they're willing to walk through that with you, you know, and they're willing to meet you where you're at and accept you for where you're at. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think when we allow ourselves to really be known, like God uses that to, to grow the body and to, uh, 
really, really just like place us in, in a posture that uh, I guess available for growth um, in ways that we sometimes don't allow ourselves to be smash and retweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, because, because it's about God, like Kevin, our friend, Kevin Schler changed my life um, in 2014 uh, because he, yeah, we were talking, we were talking about a lot of things. He, God used him to just destroy me. Like my faith got completely undone and then rebuilt because I had a lot of really bad foundations. Um, I didn't like stop believing in God. I just like didn't know what I thought anymore. Um, and God rebuilt me. Thank the Lord. But Kevin pointed out, like when we read the Bible, we read the Bible looking for ourselves. Like we look at the, and we're like, all right, oh, which character am I? You know, I, I think David's really neat or whatever, you know? And that we, what we miss is that like the Bible is not about us. Like the Bible is about God because like life is about God. And I think in those moments where like, it, the reason I laughed earlier is this, it, it's so funny because God is like, just always put me on my ass, man. Like every time I think I get it, he, I mean, he's he's always confounding the wise, right? And like every time I think I understand him, he just knocks me down again. It's like, no, like this is who I am, and it's even greater than you thought before. And I think a lot of times we don't want to receive because it's pride. Like we want to believe, like, oh man, like I am I am good now. Like I don't need help. Like I, God has made me good, and we say, oh praise God, like the Lord's made me so good. But like really, what we're saying is like I am good, but really there's no goodness. Like only Jesus, Jesus even says that, like, why do you call me good? Like there's only one person who's goodness, God. Um, and I think like being in the position, there's so much more glory for God when we're honest about where we're at. Um, you know, God <laughs> being like, Hey man, I'm fine. I have it all together. You know, praise the Lord. Like that, that doesn't, that doesn't do you any good. Like you're lying to God, you're lying to everybody else. If you do have something going on, but there's also so much more glory for God to be seen. Um, there's a time I didn't think anything of it, but like one day I woke up and I was just really tired and I was like, man, maybe I don't believe in God at all. And it was just some weird thing that came in my head. And then I'd only slept like four hours on somebody's floor and, <laughs> and I air on a, like a little mattress on the floor and I, and then after like 15 minutes, it was like, oh, no, dude, like this is an attack. This is totally stupid. I'm just tired. But I like shared it at a show and somebody was like, whoa, man, that's so crazy. Like, how did you like how is somebody who clearly has so much faith also like having a thought like that? Like, how does that how, how do you like keep faith when those things happen? And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. It's just Jesus is really good. And I knew that wasn't the truth. And like he has me. And I think the cool thing was for me to not show up and be a Christian poet. You know, the cool thing was for me to show up and be some guy in process and like show the process because when we show the process, the glory of God is revealed because you see God reaching into some bum kid's life and being like, Hey man, this is an attack. Nothing can shake me, shake you from my hand. Like I know you. And I think the, the more, we can not try to protect ourselves the more we cannot be prideful the more we cannot worry about looking good or looking like we have it like i i've been increasingly convinced like the more i can just show up and be like i don't know man i'm a mess this is exactly where i'm at and this is how i feel but i know god is good and i know he's going to get me there like that's so much more glorifying to god than keeping it in and i think a lot of times we are afraid to be vulnerable um 
Nathan Bo and I talked about this the other day. I went through for years. I was so scared that if I admitted the dark things that came into my heart, that like God would cut me from the team. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, hey man, <laughs> we don't we don't think those things. And I think I found so much more freedom in just telling the truth. Because like, if man says that if we say that we don't need forgiveness, we make God a liar, right? And yeah, so like. I was talking to my fiance and my fiance's dad was an abusive alcoholic and she's like tried to have the good Christian feeling, but it's still like working through what forgiveness looks like. And to be able to say, Oh yeah, man, I've never even met your dad. And I've thought of, like, I've fantasized about violently harming him because he's shit, you know, like to be able to say that, you know, it's clearly not the Jesus answer, but, and like, we both know that, but to put it in the light, like the Bible teaches us to put things in the light because nothing can stand against the power of God. So I think anytime that we can just be open and be like, hey, this is where I'm at and I know it's wrong, but like, that's just where my heart is. Like when we confess that and when we put it in vulnerability, it both allows the Holy Spirit to heal us. And then it also like invites others into the light and invites others to see the manifest glory of God on our heart, like hiding what God has brought us through or hiding what God is doing doesn't give him glory. And we're here to give him glory. And it also, anytime we give him glory, more people see him and are drawn to him. So yeah, I, I think there's such, I think I've been realizing more and more, there's just so much freedom and so much glory for God and so much worship to be had and just being honest and explaining where you're at. And it, and like it, with the carjacking thing, it was scary because I didn't, I didn't want to just like have a windfall profit because a bunch of my friends were nice and like make a bunch of money off of my distress. But so I didn't say anything for a long time after it happened, but then my fiance and my roommates and my friends were all like, Hey man, um, you, you should like, just, just allow people to bless you. And that's, we have a joke. Um, our friend Sharon from North Carolina started it, but, but blessing blocking. And the other thing that we do is like, when we deny that we have a need, like not only are we not being honest before God denying his glory to be shown, we're also like denying other people the opportunity to participate in the work of God. Yeah. And there's no good in that at all. Like me not sharing my need just stopped my friends from having the opportunity to participate in the work of God of caring for his kid. Yeah. And like, why would we do that? Yeah. They're uh, uh, the blessing blocking thing. I've probably shared this before. <laughs> it cracks me up, man. I, I mean, I use it sometimes just kind of in jest, but, uh, my dad, like he, he always like any time that I was just like, Dad, you can't do that. He was just like, Josh, not receiving this would be like spitting in my face, and uh, <laughs> and of course you can't say no. Then you know, I, I know with Calvin, <laughs> it's been kind of our our thing to be like, oh, oh, so you're too good for grace, and then like, yeah, yeah you're um, too good for Jesus. <laughs> so of course, yeah, whenever that's used, it's like ah, okay, I guess I'll receive, you know, but like, I think that kind of has solidified in my heart where there have been times that people have just like, I don't know, done things for me in Williamsport here and just, um, uh, just in life in general that my reaction would have been like to, to feel really awkward and to be like, man, like I, I, this makes me feel like in a humble position. Like, I don't like this feeling, you know, but, uh, I think really because of my dad doing that so many times, I've been like, hey, that person, I didn't guilt them into giving what they're giving me. Like, I didn't, you know, um, I didn't mm -hmm. ask even. Like, they decided 
like maybe it was even just between them and God. I mean, like thinking about with with Christ's love, you know, like I think that there are some mm-hmm. people that are like, I I know the darkness of my heart, man. Like I know who I really am. Like I can't really receive that love, and it's like, well, I mean, you you get it, because like you get how much, you know, like you are insufficient, but you don't get the fact that like part of Christ's love is recognizing how radical and absurd His grace is. And that he gives it yeah, freely yeah. and that the key thing is letting your pride fall down and be being like, yeah, man, like I do need that and I don't deserve it. And there's no way I could earn it. There's no way I could deserve it, but it's freely, freely there. I'm going to receive it, you know, um, and walk, yeah. walk out of that in a way that changes the core of who you are because you know how much you've ha- you have been given and loved. Dude. And that's, that's a thing that's hard is, um, you know, like we, yeah, we say, like, I, I'm so glad you brought up Too Good for Grace. I need to put that <laughs> back in the repertoire. But, but you know, like we joke about that, but uh, man, it's so easy. Like, cause like I, I'm a super Christian, like I'm a pro Christian. Like I go on tour and live poor and tell people about Jesus. Obviously I'm not a super Christian, but it's so easy to start to feel like that, to, to start to think that you're only meant to pour out you know? Yeah. And then, and it's so easy to let that pride come in. And I think God just loves to confound the wise, you know, because it's so easy to, to let that pride come in. And then suddenly, yeah, suddenly you are like, oh man, you don't need to buy me food. Like I'm okay. And then suddenly like, it's actually reflective of like a deeper heart issue of like, I don't want to receive because I don't either want to believe that I'm that bad or because I don't think I deserve it. And that's, you know, my fiance and I are both there a lot and the Lord's been healing us of it. Um, it's been a real blessing because we both struggle with similar things. So like usually one of us da- is down, the other one's up to like tell us the truth, you know, like one stumbles, the other helps you up. Yeah. And it, yeah, like I really struggled. I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life. Like one day the Holy Spirit was like, hey man, remember that weird thing you did when you were seven where you just stopped taking the Lord's name in vain? Like that was me. You know, like, like God's just been on my life, you know, because I wasn't reading the Bible when I was seven, Yeah. but like, I just randomly decided that at the bottom of my driveway one day. And like, I've known the Lord my whole life, but I like throughout my twenties, I'm about to be 28. It's, it's been really hard. Like the more I've understood how dark I can be, how bad my flesh is. Like I've really struggled to receive the goodness of God. And and at best I'll be like, okay, cool. Like God bought my salvation. He really loves me, but like, he's not super into me. You know, like a lot of my life I've kind of lived like low key. I'll slip into this thing of like, all right, you know, so like God's not going to kill me, but it's going to be pretty mediocre otherwise, you know, cause like, and it's this fear of me not wanting to trust his goodness. And it's me realizing that I don't deserve it. And like, I don't, and so much of scripture is just being like, listen, man, shut the hell up. Your opinion doesn't matter. God's really good. Like God's so uninterested in how, how little Chris Bernstorff thinks he deserves God's grace. You know, like he's not interested in what I have to say about it. Like he says, I love you. Here it is. And then these like small things where we have to receive, I think are just a metaphor for the, the grander thing of like the father cares for me. And I just need to receive. And then the more I can live out of the father's care for me, like the safer I can feel, then the safer I feel, the more freely you live. And then the more freely you can give. Like, I think it's the more you receive from God, the more you can give, like the more you believe his goodness, the more you can live out of it and then offer it to others. 
because I think that I think that's what we do sometimes is we like we try to run the run the tank on our own fuel, like our own knowledge of his love, our own thoughts about it, our own willpower. And sometimes you get a little bit, but like you never get the fullness of the infinite God unless you're running off him. Mm hmm. Yeah, one one thing that I've kind of come to realize, maybe to some extent, that uh, really just like in the last few months, um, I've gotten to know some people in Williamsport a lot better. Um, where I've been like, man, like there's some really legit, you know, like close friends that are like loyal friends and just like I don't know, really solid bros, you know. Um, and and some some of these guys like I've known for a while, but like whenever I read that verse in that context of me being known by the father, um, part of it did hit me where I was just like, man, I, I think I've like maybe held back from being known from people to a point. Yeah. And I think that when I was a kid, especially, um, like in my teenager years, like I always, like almost in all contexts, I felt like I wasn't able to be myself, um, like fully, you know, cause I was just like, yeah, I, I just don't like, I just don't think that people will like accept like who I am as, you know, as me. Um, and then I think, I think it was really like in my twenties that very long time period where I was just like, I feel like I'm myself in every situation, you know, and I'm just like able to be sincere. And, um, yeah. and it wasn't like, because people accepted me that I was able to be sincere, but it was more so just like that confidence and security in Christ where I was just like, yeah, able mm -hmm. to have bad days and able to have good days and like able to be open and honest about where I was and uh, just having confidence that, you know, like, I don't know, like that's more important than putting a, up a facade um, and that that can break, break down a lot of walls, like, you know, not conveying yeah. yourself as though you have it together, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I think there is just like part of me that was like ah just trying to still find my role here and trying to find like where I fit in you know um that uh yeah that I can't really put a finger to it entirely but I think uh yeah reading that passage in that that context had made me realize that like yeah maybe I have held back in some ways completely subconsciously unintentionally and uh you know some connections that I haven't made yet have been because I haven't truly allowed myself to be known in a way that is like really, this is this is me as me, you know, um, and I think that's uh, that's changed a lot just in like the last few months, which has been really rad. Dude, that rules! Praise Jesus! Yeah, that's so cool, and I think it's hard because like I've I've struggled with insecurity since probably like seventh grade, like like really deep insecurity, like I. I, I never went whole days without talking, but I remember in yeah. middle school just just not talking as much as I could because I knew if I could didn't say anything, then nobody I couldn't make a mistake and then nobody yeah. would make fun of me, you know? And stuff like that. Like it took me a long time to come into my own as a person. But yeah, there's a cool thing, um like when you're surrendered and just being who you are in Jesus, one, there's freedom and there's no like yeah trying to lie and maintain something that's not who you are you know like the truth the truth will set you free that's what the scripture says so i think like anytime we're we're true then like you're free and then when you're free like it invites other people to be free and to be themselves yeah. so it's a weird thing when like 
if you are walking with Jesus and just being fully alive in God, like the best thing you can do is be fully alive in God. So you're fully yourself. And then that will invite other people to be fully themselves. And like that, yeah, that's so, so cool and powerful and it's scary, but I think it goes back to receiving, like we've all talked about in our house, we talk about self-preservation a lot. And like, if you know that God is good and that your acceptance comes from God, so then you don't need to go shopping for it anywhere else yeah. so you can be yourself and like once you've received that like once you know your love you don't need to go shopping for love from other people and then when you're not shopping you're that you can give and you can give effectively and you can give without fear of not being received because that's where i'm at a lot is like ah damn like if i don't I'm, I'm scared that if i love they're not gonna love me back or love me back the way that i want but when i know that i'm loved perfectly by my father like it allows me to live without fear and then to love freely. And then usually when you can do that, it invites people to to do the same back to you and then also to like do it for others. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's such a weird gift, but it's like, Hey man, if you just be yourself, like do you good with Jesus, then you're actually loving everyone around you super well yeah. because you're being who Jesus made you to be. Yeah, for sure. And there's, um, yeah, like going back to what you just said as far as like, yeah, when you know that you're loved, being able to, yeah, just be be your full self. I don't know if that's how you worded it, but that's how I took it. So putting words in your mouth. Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, there are a couple friends that years ago um, really demonstrated that in such a cool way that it's always stuck with me um, that I, I just noticed that they were very vocal in like uh, – identifying like other people's like strengths um in a way that was natural to them you know like if i were to do that in the same way it would be contrived but um but <laughs> sure but but like it was kind of like every time that i hung out with them they would just like make some comment where they're just like man you're really good at blah 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 blah, blah. or like i really appreciate this about you you know or it's like it yeah. was very encouraging for one um and like has birthed that into me to a point, you know, like I, that's, I, I do want to do that, you know, better. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it just hit me one day that like the reason that they're like that is because they're not trying to be accepted. Like they completely yeah. are com like so secure in who they are in Christ that they're able to edify other people, you know, like they're not playing a comparison game. Um, when they, run into people that are like just as good at things as they are their thought isn't like man i'm terrible compared to them their thought is like oh they're really good and i want to like encourage them to continue in what they're doing you know um and i'm not just saying yeah. like what they're doing as in like a skill or talent but i mean like like they were just very vocal on like dude you're really hus hospitable or like i can tell that you're like really empathetic and like that you like listen well you know like it was stuff like that where uh, just kind of vocalizing and like acknowledging uh, ways that people had gifts, you know, that um, that sometimes I think people just don't really aren't really encouraged in those ways, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think just like at the core of it, recognizing that like, yeah, they were they are known by the father, you know, in a way that they they know that they are truly loved and accepted wholly. And that allows them from that overflow to, to do the same. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Jesus, so good. Yeah, living from the overflow. Like Jesus says, abide in me, right? And like apart from you, you can do nothing, that he's the true vine. And I think, yeah, I, the word abide has been really big for me in conjunction with receiving. Um, like, I, yeah, I think Jesus is the invitation. Like Kevin posted something on Instagram about that. But like the invitation is just to be, you know, like to be with the father. Mm-hmm. That's like what Jesus died for, right? Is like the garden was Adam and Eve and God. And I mean, I think just straight chilling, right? Like there was nobody to evangelize to. There was no poverty there. You know, the animals weren't killing each other. Yeah. Like it was just like chilling with God in harmony. And like God himself is in community with himself in harmony. Right. And yeah, like there's, there's a real powerfulness to being, and like when you can just be with the father, then yeah, everything you need can come from that. And you're going to have, you can have assurance that you'll have what you need for each particular moment. Like God always promises that and anything he brings you to, right? Like he equips you with what you need, either like a, the temptation he equips you with a way to stand up under it. And he gave the Israelites manna for each day. Like he feeds the birds and he loves us more than the birds. Right. It's like, there's a promise that if you just be with him, everything you have will be taken care of. And you'll also be able to do everything else so much more effectively. It's so difficult. I don't actually understand what it means, but I think there's a really healthy and effective way that we can talk about like, Hey, how do we love better? How do we serve Jesus better? Like, how do we do those things better? But then there's also sort of a way where like we, we technique God, you know? Um, I love what you said that if you were to have done what those people did, it would have been contrived. And that's actually like a really good word for me. Um, because Maddie Montgomery is a guy I really admire. He's like a preacher and he was in this band for today. And he, he does that too. Like he had this really special gift. Like he would go to a, a, a metal show with like mostly secular crowd and, and be able to like call out the really good parts, the godly parts of metal and hardcore. And then like po- show them like how that points to God, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember praying, I was like, Lord, I want to do that. I think that's a really good technique. And God was like, no. And then I like, didn't get it for a while. <laughs> I was like kind of salty about it. Cause I was like, wait, no, this is a good idea. And I think the thing is like, God, doesn't ask for our technique like he asks for obedience right maybe that's part of the reason why jesus heals people all these really weird ways you know like sometimes he's like spitting dirt other times he's just touching them other times he talk like right like god god wants us and, it, and i think it always everything is just bringing us back to the humility of like this is about god like god wants us to be with him god isn't trying to teach us like the five steps to shoot a basketball well right like he's yeah. trying to like teach us to be with him and then do things the way that he's made us. And yeah, that, oh man, I love that freedom of like when you're loved. Um, Cause that's something I've struggled with a lot as, as an artist, um, especially as an artist trying to do it as a, a job, right. And like pay my bills there. There's always this low key fear in the back of my head of competition. Um, or like when I was actually praying <laughs> right before you showed me the good place. I don't even know if I told you about this. But I remember just thinking like, man, I don't remember singing along to a band or piling on or I don't remember the last time I did that because I just really just fucking meant it in my soul. Like, I just do it because that's what you do. And whenever I like I often I see art now because like I played almost 600 shows like when I see someone perform, it's so easy for me not to see the spirit of God or the heart, but rather like, oh, who, who would you market this to? Like, is this good? Like, how <laughs> yeah. does this sell? And 
I've been praying so much that I just want to be a fan um, because there's something so pure and just being able to like cheer somebody on. My friend Tanner always says that like he, he does poetry too. In theory, we're competition, but he, he will just DM me and be like, dude, cheering you on from Texas. Like, we're so proud of you. Like, we're so excited for you. And I've literally met that guy one time. He, he's so encouraging. And I think that's the work of God. Like, I think the Lord really helped me last year. Um, I was really learning how to love intentionally well, like in difficult friendships, because I, I had a lot of stuff going on where I had to love people who were ugly in ways that I weren't, wasn't used to, like people who had hurt me, people who had hurt my friends. And the Lord is like, hey, I need you to love these people. I need you to stay with them. And that was really difficult. Um, and then my other friends around here were like, they were learning about who they were in Christ and they were praying for people and they were getting healed and like all this stuff was happening. And I, instead of like celebrating the work of God in all of us, I got like really spiritually insecure and felt like I was like not Christianing good enough or something because I wasn't learning what my friends were learning and through Calvin actually. And then somebody else, like the Lord was like, Oh no, man, like all of this is me. And like, this is what I'm teaching you. So like, I'm pleased with you and I'm pleased with them. Like I'm doing all of this. And I think when we can learn to celebrate the work of God and others, like when we know we're secure, we can celebrate everything and we don't have to constantly worry about our place. Yeah. And like the Lord's been doing that for me as an artist too. Cause last year I like didn't get booked on some festival. My friends were running and I was so salty about it and hurt. And I felt like I'd been betrayed and like all this stuff. And I was talking to my fiance about it and she was just really patient with me. And then the Lord was just like, Hey man, I don't want you to be anybody. Like I'm not asking you to be an artist who draws 40 a night, who has a reputation. And like, I, I literally, I just want you to love people. And that was so freeing. And I mean, really embarrassing to realize that I was a tool with pride and had a big ego, but mm -hmm. like, it was so cool to just realize like, as I started going to shows and, and it was hard, like my flesh graded against it, but like, I didn't care if I got put last at an out of town show that I shouldn't be last at because everyone's going to leave. Like I didn't care. I wasn't worried about money or if there's enough people there or if they didn't like it, like everything was gone. And it was just like, ah, I'm just with God and he's providing for me. So like, I don't need to worry. Like I'm just here with God to see what he's going to do and to love well. And it was, it was like the most free I've ever felt at shows. And it was so, so cool. And, it, and it's so easy because like as Christian artists, like what people say is, is they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so good, man. Everything for the glory of God. But like, how are you going to provide for yourself? Or like, oh yeah, dude, everything for the glory of God. It's so cool. But you know, like you really do need to like get people out or like do social media. And and it's so easy to, to, justify all these things that that god probably doesn't care about at least not for me you know yeah and realizing more and more like dude he holds you he loves you he's pleased with you just abide and like he's gonna take care of all this other stuff that whole weird contrary like to find your life you have to lose it like if i just lose all of the stuff that i'm worried about from the world and just be with my father who gives me life all the other stuff. Verse of the day today is Matthew six thirty three. See first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Like just being with God and receiving and then everything else will flow from that. So yesterday I was listening to a podcast. It's a business podcast. 
and it's really cool. They had a commercial, which usually I'm like, ah, dang it, commercials, right in the middle of the discussion. <laughs> this stinking thing. Um, but uh, it was just like the host of this other show. It was a commercial for another podcast. And um, they were just like talking about what they are ta- uh, talking about on their most recent episode. And I was just like, holy crap, I need to listen to that right now. For whatever reason, it just like resonated with me in a way that like, it, it was about parenting, but... When I actually listened to it, I was just like, holy crap, how much this like parallels a walk with Jesus. Um, so the whole thing was about like how most parents look at parenting like uh, like a carpenter, um, where they really need to look at it like uh, like a gardener. And like when you brought up like technique and all that stuff, it just made me think of it. But yeah, like the whole thing was like, you know, like with carpentry, you have uh, you know, a a very planned out thing. You want to, you want an end result. You know how to get to the end result. You do the steps to get you to that end result. You follow them perfectly and you're good to go, you know? Um, but they're just saying that like, yeah, with, with human beings, when you're raising a child, of course, it's more like gardening and like, you know, allowing your child to grow in good soil and like making sure that you supply them with all, all of the, components they need for growth um but at the end of the day like recognizing that yeah they're probably going to grow in some ways that you didn't expect them to and they're you know like they're going to be some you know quote unquote like seeds that you didn't really water well that they end (laughs) up growing in you know um and seeds that you did water well that uh or that you you know like you thought you planted well that they just don't grasp but um, it was basically just yeah. saying, like, having that approach of, like, equipping and allowing, you know, children to grow in a good environment that, like, allows for their growth instead of, like, causing them to be who you want them to be. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I was just that. thinking of that in terms of a walk with God, like, just that, yeah, it's so easy to get caught up in, yeah, I guess technique or like thinking that like, if I, if I do this and this and this and this, it, it'll yield this result when in reality, yeah, oftentimes what we talked about, like last night with the discussion group, like there are times that God directs me to do something or like to go a certain way or to develop in a certain way that he's not, he's not leading Chris Bernstorff to. And that's because yeah. you are a different human being, you know, um, and that we all play yeah. different parts in the body. And like the, you know, I guess the big question is like, am I, am I rooted in good soil to allow for growth? And, um, you know, am I being, you know, I guess, yeah, being willing to grow and willing to, uh, I don't know, just like allow him to be the, the one that gives us nutrients and like, just like allowing that the source of growth and source of provision, you know, to come from the father instead of thinking that like, all right, I need to follow this plan and follow this path. And if I do, I will be successful. I will like have the, I, I guess we could say successful American Christian life. Yeah. But, yeah. When we really like allow him to, him to garden us, you know, for one, it's unpredictable. It's an adventure. And I think that's like the way that it's intended to be just like abiding in him instead of planning out our, our ways. Yeah. Dude, and that that's so cool because that brings me to what's happened this year. Um since the carjacking, like that 
so I had a I had a plan and like it was a good plan it was a very good plan <laughs> and like I'm God's so good like I have this really cool dude who's helping me with PR who's really experienced and talented and I had built this like three release plan of like what I was going to do to and and what I was going to do for poetry and like I knew what to do and I was going to put out like this one poem and then a b-sides and book and then I was going to put out a record and I was going to tour on the record before I got married and I I this was my plan and I I don't know how it happened because like I said I've been walking with the Lord for a long time and I know that he directs our steps right but somehow I just made this plan up and then I brought the plan to God and said, this is a good idea, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And then, and then I just clung to it, you know? And, and I think it's so, it's just so easy. Like, it's so simple. Just listen to God. Right. But like, it's so easy for us to slip into these modes of like, Oh, I know God. And I know what God has called me to. Like, I remember thinking that I was like, I'm called to be a poet. I should go do poet things. And like, and then I went and tried to do poet things and do the Lord just kicked my butt. Like at every turn I was thwarted again and again. Like I had to take a trip home because the carjacking slowed me down. And then I had to take a trip home because the carjacking to close some bank accounts. Um, some of Josh and I's really good friends are really struggling. So like I took time off for that, which was really cool. But then that put me back some time. Then I had a show and then I had a huge bill and then I proposed. And then like <laughs> suddenly... I was four months into the year and I hadn't done all the things I said I was going to do. And then I had a two week trip to like meet my, my fiance's parent or her mom and her brother and like her family and friends. And it was really cool. And then the Lord finally was like, dude, you're, you're clinging. Like, like this is a fine plan, but it's not the plan that I had for you. And you just need to lay that down and that's okay. And like this whole year, it's been so cool because I think God, I've always been like, yeah, man, like all there is is God. And that's what, that's where my value is. But I had been putting value in my fruit. Like, cause I went through a period where I essentially just worked like every moment of every day. And then I saw my fiance and then I went to bed and then I did it again so I could pay this bill that I had. And it was really hard because then, so I wasn't having the really cool Jesus talks at my home. I wasn't going to our church group. I wasn't like, I didn't have any fruit and Uber eats is like the most basic thing in the world. I literally show up take a pizza and then I take it to someone else and I might say hello and goodbye. And so like, I didn't have anything to prove that I was like doing a good job or being a good Christian. Like I couldn't validate myself. I was just kind of like, I guess I'm just here. And I, I didn't know, and I was praying and I was seeing the Lord answer my prayers, but I didn't have any proof. I didn't have any like things I could show people. And I think we slip so much into validation where we're like, yeah, man, it's all about God. But like, this is our growth numbers for our church and the number of outreach we've done. And like, and then we, we go to prove it. And I think the truth is that like God is not interested in the proof. Like the people listed in the chapter of Hebrews, that's like, yo, these people had faith just a long list of people that saw God and met with God and heard from God and saw God do things, but they never saw the promise that they were given. Like where they said, the Bible says that they're Abraham's justified by his faith. Like we're justified by faith, not by what we can, the fruit we can show from our faith. And I think this whole year I was writing, I asked God for clarity about where I'd been. And 
I was writing to our friend Dylan and he asked how I was. And I was like, you know, man, I think God has literally removed everything from me so that all I am certain of is him. And then I was like, oh, that's a good place to be. Yeah. Like Paul said, like, I know that when I was among you, I knew nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. And I think part of the receiving was like, like I wasn't even playing shows. I played two shows. So I did, I just didn't have anything to show that I was like making good choices with my life or validate my life or validate myself before God. Like all I had was God's love for me and I could only abide in that. And I think that is such a cool place to come from that we will see fruit if we're following God, but the fruit doesn't matter because God might call you at some missionary talked at my parents' church. Um, and I, I was going there too. I wasn't there that Sunday. And he was like, yeah, you know, I was in this place for 50 years and we never saw a convert, but in the 50th year, the like tribal leader gave his life to Christ. And then everyone in the tribe wanted, was interested. And you know, for 50 years, that guy probably looked like a schmuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey man, you should probably quit. You should probably try something else. And I think, yeah, like being in such a place where like, you're just with God and you're abiding in him. And then you're, you're not even worried about the fruit. Like he brings the fruit. God brings the harvest, right? One says another reaps, but God brings the harvest or one says another waters. And I think, yeah, resting in the Lord to the point that like, you're just there with him and then, whatever he wants to do is good, but you know that your validation just comes from him. Uh, yeah, it's been so freeing and it's so embarrassing because I like, I just, I couldn't prove it. I couldn't prove I was going anywhere or doing anything right. I was just kind of around and it felt awful because I'm prideful and want to show that, you know, I'm following God, but I'm really getting after it. And here's my numbers, you know, like this is why this is a good idea. (laughs) And God's just not interested in any part of it being about, us or what we can prove or show like he just wants to do what he's going to do and it's better that way you know mm-hmm. and i think that's what's confounding is it's not that the technique is bad because because sometimes like hearing the technique hearing other people hearing what they do like it sharpens us it hones yeah. us it helps us do the work of the lord better but it if it doesn't come from god first like if you're not getting it from god if he's not saying hey this is for you then then it, it's just empty. Like you're just another person building some tower that's not the kingdom of God yeah. and it'll fall over like the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> just like the tower of Chris Burnsdorf will fall the fuck over. And then and it turns out that only God matters. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. It hit me years ago that like, uh, I was like, all right, man, what am I called to? Like I'm called to obedience. Like in this whole time I've been functioning as though I'm called to, produce fruit but i don't even produce fruit i just bear fruit and sometimes (laughs) i don't even see the Uh. fruit because my eyes are on the wrong thing and other times i don't see the fruit because i'm not meant to see the fruit um but you know the call of the christian is to obey and allow god to grow the thing and if if we ever are able to see the fruit like that's icing on the cake that's not a promised thing like that's a you know i don't know to me that's like a display of grace like any time that i am able to see any uh results of of anything because it's just like yeah i'm not promised that man you know like uh there's like yeah there's a passage where jesus uh, says something to his disciples to the effect of like you're seeing the fruit of what others have worked for um and that like yeah for whatever reason just resonated me in such a huge way this was quite a few years ago that 
I was really in that place of being discouraged of not seeing results and not seeing fruit and not seeing, you know, life change around me and all this stuff. And then, uh, yeah, it was like that passage in particular that really cemented in to me like, oh, like I, I will, I'm not promised to see anything. Like I'm just like promised that, that God's going to walk through things with me, you know? Um, and that he's gonna, he's gonna do a work, you know, like me seeing the work, that's not, not a promise or something that I should even expect, but I do want to have open eyes to, to when it is presented to me, you know? Dude, that's, yes, (laughs) that's so good. Cause yeah, like I think it is, you're so right. It's God's grace to us to see the fruit. Cause I was thinking about the other day in a sense, um, even even Jesus dies without seeing the promise, right? Yeah. I mean, there's like the weird theological thing of like Jesus is God, so he's outside of time, and like you know he knows what or whatever. But but like when he dies, he's deserted. You know, like he his disciples are gone. Like everything is in shambles, and like Jesus even gives up his life before he sees the promise. So we have this encouragement that you know the promise will come. And like we, yeah, we're just called to obedience. We're just called to doing what God has. And I think that's what sustains us in the, in the crazy shit. Like uh, my fiance, like really felt from the Lord that she was supposed to say this thing to one of her friends and she did. And her friend responded horribly, you know, like it did not receive it, was really upset and left. And there's this moment of like, oh shit, like, this isn't you know the fruit of the spirit like there's not peace in my relationship like what what do i make of this thing it was just bad from what i can see but then later her friend came to her and was like hey man i'm so sorry like you're so right and i was wrong and like and she received it and it was god's grace that my fiance got to see that but i think knowing that the promise will come and we're called to obedience in the spirit um and i mean sometimes like that can be a whole another license for Christians, right? Where it's like, you're not really saying the truth. You're just being mean and calling it the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, that's a thing too. But like, I think, I think there are times where it's like, it's called, you're called to, to say the thing or do the thing. And it, and it's not going to quote work in the way that you want it to, or you expect it to, or you hope it will. And then, yeah, later there's fruit from it. Um, yeah. This dude, I knew this kid used to come to school and tell him that Jesus loved him, and he would beat him up. And he said he'd beat him up every day. He said it. The kid said it every dang day. Yeah. So the dude just beat him up every fucking day, like all the way through school. And then I think, I, I think he left. Like I don't know when my friend got saved, but it was like I don't even know if that kid knew. Yeah. You know, like he just got beat up by this jerk, and then later the jerk got saved. And like I think. I think that's it's easy to talk about in theory, but I think that's what I was learning last year. It's like so much harder to to walk through it, to deal when you like or feel like God's calling you to love somebody or to do something, and it's just hard. My our friend, yeah, Kevin Schiller, he's got this song, and the chorus is just "Jesus, it's hard." And uh, at at this festival, Flood City Fest, I was talking to my friend Jeff, and he was like, "Yeah, man, that's what I needed because because it's hard." And like, he didn't need any comment on it. Like he knows Jesus, he knows the truth. It just, it's hard sometimes, but like the promise of knowing that like, if we are obedient, there will, right. Galatians, like, like there, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And like, so continuing to have hope in the Lord that he's going to do stuff. Um, and that glorifies him just having faith 
um, not based on your circumstances, but rather on who God says he is. And then knowing that that's bulletproof and will come, come to fruition. Even if we have to wait till like Jesus comes back and the end of everything. Yeah. That's so good and so hard and so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Legit. Well, Chris, we'll, we'll wrap up if that's cool with you. Cause I, I was just like, yeah, Oh, man. it's getting a little bit later. This has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for talking, man. Like, yeah. Again, like I was just going to talk myself, but figured for one, I love you and I love talking with you. And even though we're all over the, the map with, with conversation, uh, I don't know. I always enjoy it and it's always encouraging to me. So appreciate you. Dude, same. Love you, man. Love you too, man. All right. So that does it for our conversation with Chris Bernstorff. Uh, if you're not familiar with his poetry, I'll go ahead and post a link in the description of this podcast episode so you can check it out. And one thing that I wanted to mention that I totally intended to get into, but, uh, you know, we talked a lot about being known by each other in this podcast episode, but really the importance of being known by God, of having a heart that is moldable and transformable by him is what is really important in that Bible passage that we talked about. And uh, we wanted to get there, but we kind of ran short on time. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if anything resonated with you about that episode or any past episodes, feel free to contact us. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to check out our website, we have all our past episodes with some short films and some study resources available on the page. Hop on over to LetGodDie.com, and if you'd like to support us financially, that would be much appreciated. Right now, this is just paid out of pocket, and uh, we would love for it to be self-sustainable at some point. More than anything, though, it really means a lot. Every single listen, every single comment, and uh, we really appreciate your time. I'm really excited about next week's episode. It's one that I recorded a while ago with a guy from our church named Bruce Stubbs, and I think that you'll enjoy his story a whole lot. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.